0: Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Well, a very happy early start time MLK Day Monday, everyone, and welcome to Fantasy NBA Today. This is a Sports Ethos presentation. I'm your host, Dan Vespris. No live taping today for those wondering. I guess it Sort of weird to say that on a recorded podcast when it's obvious that it didn't happen, but uh, very rarely. I'm now remembering, I know I talked about our uh, the plan for YouTube back on Friday. We'll have some live tapings on Mondays, but because uh, Steve Vidovich and Joe Orico have a uh, live show on Mondays, it's a weekly lineup show for our website, it does seem a little bit redundant for me to get in there and do one as well, so Monday's for the time being, at least, going to be recorded over here. Those of you listening, all of you today, on the recorded side, just something to sort of file in the rolodex of how am I going to consume my fantasy knowledge this week? And uh, yeah, so we checked that box. You can follow me over on Twitter at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. I hope that you will come on over over there. That's where we do a lot of our additional work here on the fantasy side. But I also want to just kind of launch right into things today because games start really soon. I'm trying to squeeze this show out before anything really happens here on the home front. We'll we'll see if that actually materializes. My guess is that it won't, and uh, this will come out like a couple minutes before the games begin. But lucky for you, uh, you don't really need this show before the first game starts on Monday. There isn't a ton of question mark in that game, other than, I guess, Jalen Brown. But I am going to change up the order that we're doing things on today's show. And the first thing we're going to do is actually take a look ahead to this massive MLK Day slate. He says, somewhat tongue-in-cheek, only nine games today. I know there were... I think they used to do, like, 12 games, 11 or 12, but it's a little bit of a shorter card today than usual. That doesn't sort of matter to you guys, but I think if we cover what's about to happen... We knock that out. You guys can go set your lineups and then kind of cycle back into the podcast while we go through the uh, reverse chronological lightning round portion of the proceedings. So here's what we're watching out for on this upcoming uh, graded slate where all the games start, with the exception of a handful that start at noon Pacific time. They're sort of spread throughout the day. Boston at Charlotte. I think we have a pretty good feel on Boston. Now, this one's not part of a uh, Celtics back-to-back, so you don't have to worry about the Robert Williams, Al Horford staggered days thing, and it does put a damper on if you were thinking about trying to dump Grant Williams into your lineup in any way, but with Jalen Brown out, it, it to me feels like it's a lot of Malcolm Brogdon. We don't know if Derek White is going to be in or out as of me recording the show. News is just starting to trickle out about the games in the morning here. Uh, my guess is that he he misses a ball game. I don't know. I like when a guy comes out relatively early in a game. I just I I sort of just in my mind assume he's not going to play in their very next one. That's not always the case. But if indeed there are a couple guys out for the Celtics, it really does help Malcolm Brogdon a lot. And other guys will get a little bump as well. Some of the starters will actually have to do a little bit more. But in terms of a guy who does score a fair amount but doesn't really do enough defensively. And, like, there's, there's little holes in the Malcolm Brogdon fantasy game that he can plug by getting a bunch of usage. Well, he probably does. On the Charlotte side, everything about the same there. I think we've got a, a pretty good handle on what the Hornets are these days without uh, any of their small forwards currently active. Uh, I guess that's not entirely true because Cody Martin came back. But to me, he doesn't have fantasy game necessarily. And all he really does is maybe take a little bit away from Jalen McDaniels, but we're streaming him anyway. Indiana. Uh, well, Miles Turner is questionable for this one, so he'll be a game-time decision that is going to impact whether or not you drop Isaiah Jackson into your lineup. It's pretty amazing. We're finally getting to see what Jackson can do, and we'll talk more about him and as we get into the reverse chronological part of the proceedings. But uh, of the fill-ins for Halliburton, it does feel like T.J. McConnell has taken the first jump forward. I don't think you have to punt on Nemhard yet. You could probably bench him in Roto until he has that first confidence builder game and then go from there. I don't know if it's going to be against Milwaukee, but yeah. For the Bucs, it's going to come down to whether or not Giannis is playing. Not that there were much in the way of fill-in stuff. Still no Chris Middleton. We keep hearing how close he is, but he still keeps getting ruled out in advance. So, you know, I'm starting to not trust some of those reports, but at some point he's just going to pop up here. Uh, Nothing really for Milwaukee. Warriors, not much. Klay Thompson is going to sit the back-to-back, so that'll help someone like a Jordan Poole. Dante DiVincenzo gets a little bit of it, of a bump forward, but probably not enough to drop into your Roto lineups. And plus, at this juncture, you're you're looking for uh, the best schedules of the week anyway. And... Uh, I mean, the Raptors are so far out in front of everybody on on that respect. And For the Warriors, they do have a slightly better schedule. They have a back-to-back like towards the end of the week, but that's kind of irrelevant for this ballgame. Wizards, uh, I don't know, Bradley Beal is a possibility we're hearing for this one. So that makes it really hard to stream any of the more fringy Wizards on the head-to-head side. I'm assuming the big men are going to be fine for this ball game. Keep an eye on Daniel Gafford's minutes. They were a little bit lower. They might be lower again here against the Warriors team. That's not going to go particularly large for most of the ball game. But I'm holding on to Gafford, and I'm giving him way more than one lower-minute game before I consider doing anything with him. Toronto, they're the really interesting one on the head-to-head side. They're very not interesting at all on Roto, because you know it's the starters, basically, that put up numbers. For head-to-head you got guys like Precious Achua, Chris Boucher, who play, whatever it is, 15 to 20 minutes a night. But in a five-game week, that's 90 to 100 minutes. That's basically like three and change starter-level players. uh, Three games, I should say, or more of starter-level players. So you have to consider those guys in five games, if it makes sense for the categories you're targeting. uh, Where with Achua, it's mostly a couple of defensive stats, kind of bad percentages. Maybe he gets you a few points and rebounds. Boucher better percentages, also some defensive stats, also some points and rebounds. They're both mildly intriguing on the head-to-head side. But again, if you're not targeting blocks, if you're not targeting uh, for Boucher in particular, if you're not targeting uh, rebounds, you know, they're not, they're fringy still, even in a five-game week, but it does help because then you don't have to worry about, like, you can add one extra streaming roster slot, basically. Knicks, nothing. Pelicans. Uh, I don't. Doesn't sound like anybody's coming back for this game on Monday. So rinse and repeat. Uh, Trey Murphy getting his confidence back. He's a go. Uh, we've seen more from Jose Alvarado lately, but not quite enough to to make it a thing. Um, Pelicans do have a four game week. If you wanted to just sort of squat on any of those dudes, and then Najee Marshall is also a start in a four game week as well, um, and probably on the Roto side too, as long as. Uh, Ingram and Zion are each still out keep an eye on Larry Nance I still don't think he's fully healthy if he happens to kind of turn that corner and start to look like himself again this would be a window where he could produce given who's out for the Pels but it hasn't really materialized yet Cavaliers Donovan Mitchell tried to play through a sickness in their last ballgame that was likely the big reason for his bad performance but otherwise, there's really nothing. Ricky Rubio is working his way back. Other people are a bit more bullish on him than I am. I just don't see a path, really. For the Heat, Victor Oladipo looks great these days. Then, of course, your question is, what who plays in the backcourt? Is Tyler Hero in? I believe he's expected to play in this ballgame. I haven't heard anything on Kyle Lowry yet. I'm going to assume he's out unless someone tells me otherwise. And If that's the case, give a look at Gabe Vincent. But if Hero really is back, that's where a lot of those shots end up going. I really feel like Vincent's an excellent backup point guard. There's a lot of teams that would be extremely fortunate to have a guy like that. So the Heat, very lucky to have him backing up Kyle Lowry. But he does need the Tyler Hero shots and the Kyle Lowry minutes kind of combined to do what he did over the weekend, which was some power boost games. Clint Capella expected back for the Atlanta Hawks in this one. So the Anyika Okongwu experience might be coming to a close. There may be a little bit of a minute split while Clint works himself back into game shape. So perhaps you do get one more big Okongwu game, but just understand that when Capella's healthy, he's still very much the center for that team because they are vastly superior defensively when he's on the court. Folks, picture this nightmare scenario. You're hosting friends for the big game. It's neck and neck in the fourth quarter, and suddenly you realize you're out of drinks. Larry Markinen's status is the only question mark with Utah, but of course that throws a lot of stuff into disarray because you could stream someone like a Nikhil Alexander-Walker on the head-to-head side if Larry sat again. They only have a three-game week, so it's not great to pick up these guys and hope that they'll last for more than a game or two. But if Markinen's out, then you'd assume someone like a Beasley probably gets enough shots as well. If Larry plays then you're really just paying attention to this Walker Kessler versus Jared Vanderbilt minute thing going on. And Kessler right now is largely winning that battle. Minnesota. um, There's a little bit of drama there. And again, we'll talk more about that in our reverse chronological portion, but uh, let's assume the drama does not creep into this ball game. Then you're really just seeing who's active. The slow-mo play. He's kind of been in and out of the, the lineup with different ailments and sicknesses and stuff like that. But if he's playing, he's a go He put up a classic Kyle Anderson line in their last ballgame, which, again, we'll get to in a minute. Phoenix, it's all about a health thing. We don't have a health report on the backcourt yet. Uh, Landry Shamit and Chris Paul are each uh, questionable, I believe, for this ballgame. Neither one's been ruled out yet as of this podcast time, so that would really shake things up. If the, all of those guys sit again and DeAndre Ayton's the only regular that does make it back for Phoenix, which he did over the weekend, then you're probably looking at a relatively safe Torrey Craig stream in a game that Phoenix would probably get spanked if all of those guys are sitting out. And they might get spanked even if they play. And then you got the Lakers on the second half of back-to-back against the Rockets. Not much there. Um, you know, Head-to-head side, we're seeing Eric Gordon actually starting to play in some back-to-backs for Houston, and that's relevant. Again, only if you're sort of targeting specific stuff, which, you know, who knows? They only have a three-game week, so only two after today and and for the Lakers. It's pretty much the same core guys. I would say one thing about L.A. here. Uh, I would expect Thomas Bryant to have a much better ball game in this one. He's had very difficult matchups lately. The Mavericks exploiting uh, what he's bad at. And then the 76ers, you got to deal with Joel Embiid. So this is an opportunity for Thomas Bryant to kind of bounce back, and I would, I, I feel like that's almost an inevitability in a game against a Rockets team that that basically just doesn't play any defense. All right, so that gets you that gets you ready for today. Um, as far as the week ahead, we already mentioned the Raptors as a a critical team with a five game week. They're not the only one uh, that has a good schedule. There are a couple of back to backs. I think the Bucks also go back to back today and tomorrow. So that's another good team if you wanted to kind of. Uh, start your week with a little bit of a flourish that way. Um, But it's really, it's interesting. Like, this is is a week where you could totally get screwed. The Magic and the Spurs only have two games. The Bulls and the Pistons only have one game apiece this week. So if you have those dudes on a head-to-head team, well, you're way up a creek, especially if your opponent has, like, Pascal Siakam, five-game week. You know, the other thing about the Raptors, and, and a reason to look at someone like a Precious Achua or a Chris Boucher, is that... It would kind of surprise me if all of their starters played in all five ball games. Those guys get dinged up often, Freddie like especially like a Freddie Van Fleet, But, yeah, I mean, we can talk a little bit more about that on, on the social media side as well. But that's, I think, the main point with uh, the, some of the scheduling stuff. All right, let's go back to yesterday. Let's talk about Sunday. We'll start at night, and we'll work our way forward. Philly beat L.A. Uh, Lakers lakers man they played really well again shot 55 percent, couldn't slow down and beat or harden which that'll happen if you get it you get hardened on a good shooting game philly becomes very hard to beat and then for the lakers they had a shot again a last second shot again might have gotten fouled on the last second shot again but from a fantasy standpoint uh, the only thing that jumped out in this ballgame was the Thomas Bryant stuff on the Lakers side. The, the Anthony Melton story is a really weird one, because he did get the start, even though we kind of knew Tyrese Maxey was going to play more minutes off the bench, but Melton just didn't have a good ball game, and so he never got back in there near the end. I'm still holding there. Uh, I, As I've been saying, I really do think he needs a few games to kind of figure out what he is and where he belongs with this team right now. And especially if they keep moving him around, I don't know that I like him in the starting unit with Maxi coming off the bench right now. Cause that means that Melton who had a usage of six yesterday, if you're playing alongside Harden and Embiid, you don't get to do a whole lot. That takes a lot of the sting out of D'Anthony. I'd rather him come off the bench and play 25 minutes where he's kind of running things, but that's perhaps what they want Maxi doing instead. And they I prefer Melton for his defensive prowess in that first unit. So keep an eye on this thing. If this is the way it stays, Melton may end end up actually being a drop. My assumption was that he'd be a bench player with higher usage, and that's where I would then hold on to him. And then on the Lakers side with Thomas Bryant, just some bad matchups lately, so don't worry about that. Portland blew out Dallas, no Luka on the Dallas side, and pretty much any time they rest Luka, they get blown out. Uh, nothing to take away from this ballgame. I mean, flat nothing. You cannot grade out Dallas without Luka, and Portland's the same thing. Every dang ball game until something changes there, I see no reason to adjust any of our expectations. Denver beat Orlando on a Nikola Jokic buzzer-beating three-pointer. It's another Denver sometimes just kind of doesn't take a team seriously. Bol Bol had 17 and 6, but he only played 18 minutes again. And that's the bigger issue there. He had big usage in his 18 minutes, and that's great. But in my estimation, he needs like medium-sized to high usage and more like 22 to 24 minutes to actually post that sustained fantasy value. In 18 minutes, he's basically Chris Boucher. Effectively. Because he'll go out there, he'll chuck a little bit, he'll get you some defensive stats on good percentages, but there needs to be just a little bit more activity, a little bit more time to get stuff done. If you're sitting on him, especially on the head-to-head side, after this performance, you probably buy yourself another game. On the Roto side, well, you know, the the impending return of Jonathan Isaac further complicates matters. I just, I don't think this is enough time. I'm okay if you wanted to wait another game, because he did, like, if he comes in there and he has a 32 usage every game off the bench, then, you know, maybe maybe it does only take 20 minutes instead of 18. And that's something that we should at least give the opportunity to for Denver uh, bones Highland turned an ankle in this one, but it sort of doesn't matter. Cause they're a team of starters. I guess the bones thing does help Bruce Brown. If there's less competition off the bench for bench minutes. And Bruce continues to stay just above the cut line. KCP still above the cut line. Let's move on. Sacramento beat San Antonio. There are really no stories for the Kings. Trey Lyles continues to play better and siphon some stuff away from Keegan Murray. Which, you know, Key gets credit, he got five rebounds again. That's the category we've been kind of tracking him on. Can he create can he rebound on a, a daily basis, really? Now, if Lyles is gonna come in and cut into his stuff consistently, then I don't I don't see a particularly good path. Lyles got a few of the Kevin Herter minutes, they were able to go a little bit bigger in this ball game. I wouldn't worry too much about uh, Herter, he is who he is. It's, you know, we got off to that hot start. He cooled off. He's kind of leveled these days. And Harrison Barnes is on one of his little mini heaters. Don't don't read too much into that either. There are, there are no real valuation changes. Until we see Murray rebound consistently and get the percentages up consistently, there's kind of nothing to do with Sacramento. On the Kings, or on the uh, Spurs side, it was, you know, again... Josh Richardson kind of nuzzling up against fantasy value at a good ball game here, but can we consistently trust him coming off the bench when his minutes aren't guaranteed? And my answer is no. So I'd start Jakob Pirtle, Trey Jones and uh, Keldon Johnson who had one of his bad shooting games again. Eh, boy, Jeremy Sohan was a little bit better, but you're not starting him and you're definitely not doing anything with Romeo Langford, Who's been flat out terrible. And we can, again, just kind of move on. Oklahoma City, a uh, bad game for Jalen Williams. First bad one for him in a while. He's still got his 35 minutes. He went 0 for 9 shooting. It's going to happen to young players. I wouldn't worry about it too much. Josh giddy has been pretty consistently better lately. He seems to have turned a corner. That's a big deal because uh, he was outside startable level in fantasy. He's in it now. Even when Shea's in there, he's kind of turned that corner. Meanwhile, Oklahoma City is surprising a lot of people. Brooklyn, uh, not surprisingly, not that great without Kevin Durant. They're kind of a middling team, if that. Royce O'Neal, he has made that, that leap forward that we figured he would with no KD, just more rebounds, more assists, more defensive stats. He's more involved. Kyrie had a bad shooting game, and Brooklyn's pretty much doomed if he's not good on a given night. But then the real key here is... What we thought was happening with all of the KD replacement-level players is happening with those guys, which is that TJ Warren had a better scoring game the first time. He didn't do anything here. Joe Harris had a good game the first time around. He didn't really do anything here. Seth Curry was quiet the first game without KD. He had a much better game here, and those guys are going to just keep revolving, which is why I don't think any of the three of them is trustworthy on the games cap side, if you wanted to use them for back to backs and stuff like that, if I don't even know if Joel if Harris and Curry are playing in the back to backs, I don't know if Warren's playing in the back to back. If one of them happens to be, and they have one Thursday, Friday this week, that's maybe where you could dump them in. Uh but otherwise those guys, you know, they're they're not over the, the hump for me. Chicago, huge game out of Nikola Vucevic. And, I mean, this is kind of like the, oh yeah, we remember you game. And obviously it happens with DeMar DeRozan out, Vooch and Levine each getting a colossal usage boost. Vooch took 31 shots in this game, but who can blame him? He shot 58% from the field, he had four steals, he was just doing it all. He is now number 10 by totals on the year. Amazing. 22 per game. So he's throttling his ADP both on the per game and the total side. And quietly, Vooch has been one of the better fantasy picks this year. Uh, What did I get wrong in this one? Well, I thought Patrick Williams would be better filling in for DeMar DeRozan, and he's been sort of uh, meh in two games and a little bit better in one, and that's not as good as I thought he would be. Uh, Bulls also have just a one-game week. So on the head-to-head side, none of these fringe guys matter. and Levine are the only Bulls you can hang on to through a one-game week. And DeMar, obviously, but he's likely on your IL. I think they're expecting DeRozan back for their game on Thursday, which would put him out for about a week since his little quad strain. The sad part is Alex Caruso was putting up fantastic fantasy numbers with one of the high-usage guys down, and it's just something we just probably need to file into the we-remember. Because if Levine ever goes down or DeRozan ever goes down again, then we just spring on Caruso. But I don't see how you can hang on to him through, on the head-to-head side at least. I don't know how you can hang on to him through three days off just to perhaps find out that DeMar is back and you can't start him anyway. And it's probably a similar thing on the Roto side. If you have a roster slot to just burn on him until Thursday, that's fine. Uh, but there's a very real chance that DeMar returns. And then again, you've had this sort of dead weight for four days on your team when maybe there was a pickup out there that you wanted but you couldn't get. And let me talk you out of a few of the pickups on the Clippers side. Uh, Terrence Mann had a huge ball game, but supposedly Paul George is getting close. And I just don't see how Mann has enough usage when George is in there because his other stuff is not that consistent. His three-pointers are okay. His rebounds, his assists are both okay. It does help that John Wall is out, and Reggie Jackson has been fully doghoused by this team. So Man's minutes, I think, should be relatively safe these days. I just, you know, he he took 16 shots. He had the second-most field goal attempts on the team in the Clippers' win over the Rockets, and I just don't see how that happens when Kawhi and Paul George are out there together. Head to head again, kind of different than roto here. Um, Clippers have a four-game week. Terrence Mann would be a totally fine four-game play starting tomorrow. They go four times Tuesday through Sunday. But Roto's side, I don't think I have the stones to do it. Same story with Rob Covington. Like he's getting in the mix now, and we know he can put up numbers really fast. But roto, would I would I trust it? Maybe if we find out Paul George is still out tomorrow. Maybe PG plays on the second half of the back-to-back and then the rest of the week after that. It also knocks Norman Powell out of the mix. He's someone that I am playing in all formats while Paul George is out. Uh, But with this sort of George stuff hanging, I don't know how you blow a head-to-head move on these guys when a lot of their value could get sapped if Paul George does come in and actually play. But hey, isn't it cool to see Kawhi Leonard look like Kawhi Leonard again? 30 points, 6 boards, 4 assists, 2 steals, a block, 3 3-pointers, 50% shooting, 3-for-3 three three at the free throw line. Oh, it's happening, everybody. Kawhi's up to number 45 per game on the year with all of those ramp-up days worked in there. I know he's only played 21 ball games, but he's only 4 behind Anthony Davis right now. Only 3. Only Five behind J.J.J., who obviously is number 12, so it's a little different. But, like, look, I know it's been a really rough go, but he's trucking now. And uh, he's in for all besides one half of the upcoming back-to-back, I assume. And then the Knicks beat Detroit. T- Pistons again a one-game week, so you really can't do anything there on the head-to-head side. On the Roto side, I guess the question really is, does Jalen Duran show up? Because if he does... It impacts everything going on in the Pistons' front court. Sadiq Bay has been getting a truckload of shots. That won't happen because Isaiah Stewart would slide down to power forward. Bay maybe still starts because uh, they had a couple replacement level guys in the starting lineup, but there's just the opportunity won't be the same. And especially every time you kind of get pushed farther away from the bucket, it hurts in fantasy. So, uh, Roto again. Uh, I, just, I mean, it's tough, especially with Isaiah Stewart, too. He's another roto question mark, because if Duran comes back, he loses his ability to be near the bucket and rebound and block shots. Everything here with the Pistons hinges on whether Jalen Duran's back for their next ball game, and because they don't go for a while, it's really hard to make this call. I would just leave a lot of Detroit alone. Someone else can kind of battle with that headache, and uh, you save your breath, basically. Let's keep humming. Turn the clock back to whatever the hell the day is that comes before Sunday every week. Oh, yes, Saturday. Uh, Miami over Milwaukee, Gabe Vincent, another huge ball game. Now, uh, mentioned already earlier that I think a lot of that's tied to both Hero and Lowry being out, Lowry being the one that slides him into the starting lineup, but Hero being the one that allows him to get 14 shots up. Uh, Is he still going to be probably okay even if only Lowry's out, yeah, he'll probably still be okay. And he's running hot right now, so that's helpful. But if you're expecting these these jumbo size performance, we'd probably have to temper just a little bit there. For Milwaukee, um, no Giannis here. There wasn't an obvious step-up guy. Connaughton was a little bit better. I don't think you can expect him at four three-pointers every ballgame. But this one would be enough to qualify. He's just a fairly uh limited fantasy player of like a handful of rebounds and a couple of threes. Typically Bobby Portis is the guy that gets the biggest bump when Giannis is out. Um, and Joe angle. Uh, yeah. I mean, with their back to back going or they had the back to back then Ingalls is resting though. So it's all weird with the Milwaukee. I, it's not a team that I'm diving into. Andrew holiday. will do more as he kind of continues to get his legs underneath him. Grayson Allen is a play. If, Giannis and Middleton are both out again at any point, but I don't know. They get, with all these other options out there, I just it just feels silly to be stretching for Milwaukee players, but whatever. I mean, if it floats your boat. Memphis, nothing. Um, although John Morant, I think we we got word over the last day and a half or so that he's dealing with a little bit of hip soreness. You guys know what to do if he's out. It's Tyus Jones. He's been a beast anytime Jan, or uh, Ja has sat. Indiana, uh, who, again, we already touched on them in the, the Monday preview part of the show, but finally letting Isaiah Jackson run a little bit is a, a true breath of fresh air. Because this is the kind of stuff we were hoping he'd be doing from the outset. Even in if they had given him 20 minutes off the bench to start the year, I think it would have been enough for us to at least make the argument to hold, because you know the, the upside was built in, but he just wasn't even playing for stretches. They sent him down to the G League, Miles Turner's been out with back spasms. Sounds like they're pretty bad. Uh, he was listed as day to day and not hour to hour. Was the the Carlisle quote. So he could be back at any point. But as long as Miles is out, and as long as they're letting Jackson get these starts, then he's a start. I mean, his, his shot blocking upside is insane. You've seen it here. He has 11 blocks in his last two ball games. TJ McConnell racking up point guard level stats in his reserve role. That's more than enough for me. Andrew Nembhard is the question mark because the assists are there. He's running the point with the first unit, but it does seem like he's getting kind of smacked around by NBA starting fives at the moment as again, more of a primary. I do think you have to hold. I mean, this is a game where they got pretty well spanked by the Grizzlies, but Buddy Heald was also bad. Uh, Aaron Niesmith came back and he was also terrible, so it's not usually going to be this raunchy for them. And then Chris Duarte came off the bench and he kind of got hot and then rolled into garbage time and so on and so forth. But the main takeaways here are uh, Nemhard, we got to give him a little bit longer because Halliburton sounds like he's going to be out for a little bit. I think more than the two weeks that they're expecting. McConnell's an easy one. He's the easy call. Nemhard is the tough call. Would I start him in a roto games cap? I would not right now. I need to see him look better before I drop him into a games cap lineup. But on the head-to-head side, I do think at some point here, you're going to catch that lightning-in-a-bottle game that'll average out with these a little bit more mediocre ones. And that's why Nemhard still makes sense on the head-to-head side. And then Aaron NeSmith, if he's getting 13 shots, then he's a start on head-to-head also. And he's probably a start in Roto, believe it or not, as long as he's going to play starters-level power-forward minutes. So there's a lot going on with this Indiana team right now, where, again, it, sometimes it's about the minutes, but a lot of times it's about the usage. T.J. McConnell got both. Isaiah Jackson's getting both. Nemar was already playing a bunch. So was Neesman. So for those guys, it's about more touches. Nemhart running the offense, getting assists. For Anissa, it's about getting an extra couple of shots per ballgame. That's where you have to look at where the value bump comes from. And that's how that all kind of adds together. We talked plenty of Boston, actually, in the preview section of this show. And you can see why here. Malcolm Brogdon at 30. Derek White uh, is actually in. We just got word while recording the podcast that Derek White is is available for Boston's very early game on Monday. So that takes a little bit of the sock out of Brogdon. But both of those guys, in my estimation, are really good starts now uh, with Jalen Brown out. So that's an intriguing little footnote. Nothing really on the Charlotte side. Uh, Again, we're kind of seeing Cody Martin getting a few more minutes, but it's really not changing much besides impacting Jalen McDaniels in the negative direction. I'm going to continue to hold McDaniels. This is a bad game against a good team. Terry Rozier, decent again. Are we finally getting there, guys? He's up to 133 per game. We are you know we need to keep trending in the right direction, but up to 41% from the field. It's really the steals now are the biggest thing holding him down, but he's been notably better lately. And then nothing else really here. Dennis Smith Jr., you can drop. He's, I don't know, if, I might not even be a steals specialist with 17 minutes per ballgame, but... Anyway, you catch the drift. Trey Young actually starting to get a little bit better. His efficiency's been improved the last month or so. Kind of quietly, it wasn't like there was this big explosion series of games. Just like a little bit better every day. Uh, Clint Capella coming back, that'll be good for Atlanta overall. They've actually won a couple games in a row here. And a road win in Toronto is not a, a clunky thing. Freddie Van Fleet, by the way, got... Uh, added to the injury report. His back is sore, and in a five-game week, I mean, this is the kind of stuff you're talking about. I don't think I would pick up Malachi Flynn because, you know, one start for Flynn or two starts for Flynn and then three games where he barely gets to play. That's not enough. That kind of equals out to, like, a three-game week for him. But it does give more power to Precious Achua or Chris Boucher because those guys always pick up stuff when someone's out. Yes, Flynn probably goes from, you know, 19 minutes to, or from like 14 minutes to 20 something, but if he takes 12 or even 15, hell, let's just make it a big number so we can do, like the math works against us in this one. Let's say he takes 18 of Freddie Van Vliet's minutes, that still leaves like 17 more. And those probably go to Precious and a couple to Boucher and the shots and all that stuff that goes to those guys as well. So again, now this is why we talked in a five-game week, Achua, who got to play more in this ball ballgame uh, because Siakam was in foul trouble and then ultimately fouled out, and Gary Trent Jr. wasn't very good, so they went to kind of a different look, Toronto did, lineup. Uh, but if you're getting those, if you're getting like, I don't know that Achua would necessarily be the starter if Fanfleet was out. It might be Flynn but they might actually go Achua and just play long and let Scottie Barnes kind of run point with that first unit or a little bit of Ananobi run a little bit of point. Gary Trent could run a tiny bit. Like, it doesn't have to be a one-to-one point guard thing for Toronto. And if that's the case where then is starting, then you're, again, you're, you're adding 12, 20, 30, whatever it is, minutes over the course of the week to someone who is going to get five games of, like, 18 to 20 minutes... Turn two of those into 25 to 30 minutes. And now you're talking about basically like a four game week out of him uh, when, you're th- when you're thinking about like four starters level type of minutes. So, this is those that's all the stuff you have to roll into. Now, from the Roto side, I don't want anything to do with any of it. <laughs> it's all head to head chat right there because Toronto's a super interesting team this week at the five gamer. We talked about Cleveland. There's really nothing going on there. Um, I've explained to you guys before why I don't think Ricky Rubio kind of makes the cut. I just, I don't think there's enough. Even as he gets ramped up, I don't think there's enough. Minnesota. uh, Rudy Gobert is questionable. We still don't have a report on whether he's playing today. I picked up Nas Reed basically everywhere over the weekend, at least in every Roto League, because I have no problem with dropping him without using him if Gobert does play. I just, I feel like with groin, teams generally want to play it a little bit safe. That's something that can get bad quickly. So it feels like we're going to get a Nas Reed start. And if that's the case, then, oh, baby. And as soon as we get word, I mean, if we get word that Nas Reed is starting today, I'll pick him up in head-to-head leagues as well. Uh, because he's, you know, only, whatever it is, 10 to 15 minutes when Gobert is in there. So, uh on the Roto side, I think they have a four-game week, if I'm not mistaken. I'm pretty sure that it's a four-gamer for Minnesota. Uh Now, he's close to fantasy value in like 14, 15 minutes a game, which is nuts. So if we get one start out of him this week, it's probably a good week for head-to-head. If we get two, it's a great head-to-head pickup. With Roto, again, you just start him if he's starting. That's, again, the easier calculus there. Also, a note on this Minnesota side, D'Angelo Russell did not close this game. He's kind of beefing with Minnesota right now. There's a lot of infighting on that team, even though they've actually won a few ballgames lately and, and catching Cleveland on a day when... Uh, Donovan Mitchell was sick, was um, kind of a lucky break for him overall, but Jalen Noel closed over D'Lo, and I don't want to read too much into it because Russell was reading some of the reports from the beat writers out of Minnesota. He was actually at the scorer's table set to check in with about five minutes to go in the ballgame, and Jalen Noel completed a three-point play, and so Chris Finch was like, ah, screw it, like this guy's rolling, let's just see how this goes, and then they won. So... Sometimes you ride a hot hand, and that's kind of what this game was. I would expect Russell will generally close, but he was a minus six in a game they won by eight. So keep it going, you know? Noel was a plus 11. Slow-mo, who you guys know I love, five boards, four assists, two steals, three blocks, but he missed all three free throws. He took a dump on what could have been one of my favorite, like, non-scoring fantasy lines by missing his free throws. We talked Philly. Utah, this was without Lowry Markkinen, so you got 29 minutes of Nikhil Alexander-Walker, which is a real dangerous play. Uh, Mike Conley generally does enough fantasy-wise when Markinon is out, because with him lately, it's been more of a usage thing. And then with Vanderbilt, he gets some more minutes when Markkinen is out. And then Walker Kessler's just steamrolling everybody. And Jordan Clarkson got to take every shot in the ballgame. He took 29 of the team's 90 shots, which is positively nuts, but like, this is a great runway for him. Uh, and Malik Beasley is the other question mark there. He played 32 minutes and got 14 shots, but just didn't make any of them. If Markkinen is out, I think you generally can trust Beasley because of the higher usage, because of the higher number of shots he's going to get up. THT had 20, can't really trust him uh, either. He's kind of in the Alexander Walker bucket where, like, maybe you could squeeze a head-to-head thing out of him. But Roto's side... I try to grade guys out on this podcast on whether you could use them in a games cap format. Are they a good enough guy to start? Kessler, yes, with and out or in. Clarkson, yes, when all of these guys are out. I think when the full team is fully healthy, he's really more of kind of a, a points specialist. and That's okay. Um, Walker, head-to-head only. THT, head-to-head only when Markkinen is out for both of those guys. Conley, he's actually become a guy you can only use when uh, usage guys are out. He's just not shooting when everybody's healthy. He's, again, just sort of like holding on to the wheel. Vanderbilt, he's a start when someone's out because the minutes have been trending the wrong way, and then Beasley, the same story there. Portland-Dallas, this is a repeat of the game on Sunday. Luka did play in this one, and, and Dallas was just completely exhausted off the Laker game. I'm surprised the Lakers had enough in the tank to take Philly down to the wire in their last one, but, you know, kudos on getting that far, I guess uh let's go back to Friday find out we'll play the game of who the hell uh didn't go over the weekend because you know this is how we roll Washington uh Daniel Gafford only 16 minutes something to keep an eye on Bradley Beal might be back so that would put a thump into any of the like Goodwins or Kisperts, or if you were screwing around with those guys I wouldn't have uh but with Gafford I'd like to see some more playing time. I'm mean, I'm hoping that he gets it in the next one. There wasn't foul trouble going on or anything here. It's just they went a different way for whatever reason, and uh, yeah, didn't didn't really work either way there. Um, New Orleans didn't go over the weekend. They uh, Trey Murphy, like we said, more confident now. Najee Marshall, plenty to do. Uh, Herb Jones is questionable. If he comes back, that could throw a little bit of a wrench into the Marshall Trey Murphy stuff, but also maybe it doesn't. Um, and then Larry Nance, like we're saying, like he's close, but he just doesn't quite look right yet. And plus JV was having a huge ball game here and he's rolling while Zion and and Ingram are out. Maybe Brandon Ingram will ever play a ball game again. I don't know. I don't know if there'll be time. Sorry, doing a little old school bit here. Uh, Who else didn't go? I think Phoenix didn't go over the weekend. Uh, Torrey Craig was a good fill-in there. Damian Lee had another good fill-in game, but we don't have to wait and see if Chris Paul or Landry Shamit is in, because Shamit would take a lot of the shots away from Damian Lee and probably a few away from Dwayne Washington. Chris Paul would obviously take everything away from Washington. It's a hard one. Craig is the guy that probably wouldn't get pushed out of the starting lineup, but also... He's a tough one to roll out there. You're targeting rebounds, steals, basically. That's it's just not a lot of upside there. But you guys, I think you guys get where I'm at with Phoenix. You're really just waiting for an injury report at this point. Uh, and then... I think that might have been it. Yeah. Okay. That's it. We got them all. Good for us. That's your reverse chronological lightning round. And... We packed into 40 minutes. Good for us. Uh, This show will come out before the first game starts on Monday morning. I feel really good about what I've done here today. Thank you all for listening, everybody. We'll take it over to social. I'll be around a bunch in the afternoon. uh, Pacific time on Twitter in the morning. I will be missing um, because, you know, holiday stuff and, and childcare stuff and things of that nature. But as always, thank you once again. I am at Dan Vespers on Twitter. This is Fantasy NBA Today, a Sports Ethos presentation. You guys know the drill at this point. And hey, uh, go check out our YouTube page. It's really growing fast. I know I didn't do a show today, but there was one over there. Steve and Joe had a show, and Eric had one yesterday. And effectively, that meant that we've had a YouTube show uh, every day in the last week except Saturday. So that's pretty damn cool. Just a little new wrinkle here at Sports Ethos. All right, we're gone for good this time. Let's get this show out before the games begin. Enjoy the MLK Day slate, and I'll talk to you guys tomorrow morning. So long, everybody.